Rebooting the lateral show, a sideways look at fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the lateral show. Fasten your seatbelts, cause here we go. Welcome into another edition of The Lateral Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Herms, on Twitter at HermsNFL. Popping in at the beginning to let you know that this is a two-part episode. Uh, we recorded this episode last week. It took a while for me to be able to find the time to sit down and go through some of the editing to get this released. But either way, uh, we hope that you enjoyed your Memorial Day weekend, enjoyed your long weekend if you had one. And this is going to be a fun episode. But it is an episode that we do start out by talking about the mass shooting that took place in Uvalde, Texas, not too long ago. We understand that this is a fantasy football show, and you may not want to hear us discuss those types of issues. If that is something that you would like to bypass, if you go to the 11 minute, 30 second mark, approximately, you will be able to avoid that conversation. If you would like to hear what myself and McLateral have to say on this topic and a couple other serious things, listen to the episode straight through. We would appreciate it either way. Just wanted to give you the option. Um... Yeah, so let's get into part one of two of our early wide receiver NFC ADP talk. Woohoo! Hey there, ladies and germs. It's another episode of The Lateral Show, a sideways look at fantasy football. You can follow me on Twitter at HermsNFL. And as always, I am joined by someone who is just dedicated and absolutely committed to the bit. McLateral, how's it going, my dude? Uh, it's going great. The sun is shining proverbially. Of course, it is uh, 1036 p.m. here, so not a ton of sunshine. And Cole Komet is still my tight end 10, so feeling good about it. Uh, but we are not talking about tight ends today, as far as I am aware. And we're looking at a different position, right? That we are. Much like we did in our last episode, we will be looking at the NFFC data. You know, hey, those high rollers, they're out there. They're doing their drafts early. We're talking about wide receivers this week. Now, I mean, I'm sure there will be a couple tight ends that get brought up organically just as they relate to their, you know, team's passing game and whatnot. But generally speaking, we are focusing on the tight end position. So, hey, we got the 31 draft. position. Yes. Fuck. Why did you plant that in my head? Damn it. Okay. But so the great thing about uh, this week's episode is that we now have 31 drafts in the month of May to pick through. So there's more data being added to this there. It's important. It's important to be able to have as large of a sample size as possible. So we're looking at some pretty, you know, fairly robust early ADP for these wide receivers. I'm very excited to dig into it. We're going to look at that ADP versus our rankings, basically the same kind of show we did last week, but the two of us and it's a different position. So that's what we're looking at. Um, Make sure you follow The Lateral on Twitter at The Lateral FF. I'm not sure if I said that, but just do it anyway. And if you want to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be super great. I'm still not sure what it does. 
but I imagine well, it helps when you search for fantasy football podcasts on these platforms, it'll help us get a little bit higher up there so people can get to the show more easily. That would be fabulous. So, hey, listeners, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your pets, tell anybody that you know that you've ever met in your entire life and will ever meet for the rest of it. Lateral show. Do it. It's the Do only it. way you can get your yeats and greets. I mean, exactly. Where else? Where else on God's great earth? It's very important. Yes. So uh, before we get into any of that, uh, I'm going to hop on my soapbox, a thing that we don't typically do all the time anymore. And I would like to say, fuck the NRA, fuck the gun lobby, fuck you, Governor Abbott. The blood is on your hands and just common sense gun control is pretty fucking important, people. The fact that there is a mass shooting every single day in the United States is completely fucked up. We can solve this situation, and yet we do nothing. Woo! The fact that there is a mass shooting every single day would be completely fucked up if there wasn't, in fact, more than one every single day. According to data from Vox.com, there's actually 1.121 mass shootings every single day on average since the Sandy Hook massacre back in 2012. So for a decade, basically, we have had slightly over a mass shooting every single day is insane there is no reason for that yeah you got you know you, hey fantasy football people you know we like data we like looking at data to prove a point that ought to really prove a point every other developed nation in this world is able to avoid these issues come on we have to do something I hate talking about like real life things sometimes because this is a football show. I know people like to be able to escape and listen to these things, you know, to have that type of joy in their life. But, you know, we're not the type of people that are just going to let that go by. I'm sorry. I like I had to. It's so it's so awful and so terrifying. And the fact that like even seeing it on the news, like the lack of visceral reaction I have to seeing the news is fucked up because of just how desensitized a lot of us are. To yeah, see. It's, like, it's, I don't know. It's officially normalized behavior. If there was something that happened to you every day of your life for just under 10 years, you would consider it normal behavior. That's what this is. It is now normalized behavior. That is the point we have gotten to. Yeah, they, when they say the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome, and we keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome. Which is nothing. Like, we do nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Literally nothing. And it's just like, oh, God. Whatever you want to do, take it to the ballot box, write your senators or call them or stand outside of their houses and just you know yell at them and throw them. I don't know. Unless you're in Maine. We don't want people getting arrested. That is very true. That is very true. I don't know. Do Susan whatever you're very afraid of those chalk drawings. <laughs> Absolutely. Do whatever it is that is within your power. If you don't feel like you have enough of a voice to do anything about it, at least find ways that you can help out in some capacity. I don't really know how we could possibly do anything here at the lateral necessarily, but if we come up with something, we will let you know. So um, football, more fun, better topic. Yeah. You want to do that? Yeah. Yeah, oh, something, right. something attributed to at least slightly less death. Yes. Yeah, so oh, too soon. God. Too soon uh, to make that comment. That, well, so yeah, I, hey, when I'm you're gonna not get, wrong. I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. I saw a post Go on Twitter, it, yeah. uh, I want to say yesterday or the day before, that was like, let's look back at the Legion of Boom. And it's like, this guy got arrested. This guy is in jail for attempted murder. Like, Earl Thomas is on the run. It's like, oh, yeah, right. CTE, uh, taking hits, maybe not so good. Like you know 
we we can't these people like can't all be terrible people like something is happening here and that is the moral choice we make when we participate in this game so i think it's important i'm not saying obviously don't play fantasy football don't watch football you know like i'm not going to be a hypocrite here but just i think it's one of those things like eating meat where it's like you have to just be comfortable and be aware of the moral considerations of such an activity man i gotta be honest it is one of the things that bothers me the most about being a fan of professional football just like that fact that you have to bury in the back of your brain to be able to like enjoy it in any way shape or form just like yeah what's happening out here is incredibly brutal and once they're done doing it like there's not a ton of support for these athletes like it's it is and and for me the other the other thing is like yes the not a ton of support is a big deal like these people do know what they're getting into they do know football's a rough sport it's not like they had played flag football expected it to be flag football they get to the nfl and it's like here's a helmet and some pads now run into that 300 pound lineman or make sure that 300 pound lineman doesn't run into you you know but the nfl did actively hide data showed just how damaging these things could be so in that sense, they didn't know 100% what they were committing to. They didn't know how violent a sport they were necessarily getting into on that front. They didn't have that data available. And then the just complete lack of support that the NFL gives to its athletes after retirement is insane. It It's it's beyond insane. I, I just, you know, and also just even to, you know, put a bow on, you know, the even the image that you saw. I mean, I saw the same thing just kicking people while they're down at a very low moment is not exactly the greatest thing in the world to do either. So, I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, and I'm not saying like, Hey, you know, please be nice to crime committers, you know, like, you know, like not the, not exactly the message I'm going for, but like, I think anybody listening is aware of what I mean by, you know, like just, if you're going to have a criticism, make it a constructive criticism. There's no point crapping on people for the sake of it. Exactly. And as the great George Carlin always said, it's very important to remember why we always punch up. Do not punch down. Always punch up. I <sighs> thought he was the one that said the seven words you can't say the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> Flawless transition. Uh, dude, I love George Carlin so much. It's amazing how many of those bits are just shockingly still relevant. And have you seen the data. HBO oh, yes. uh, special that Ooh, just came out? I knew that was in development, yep. but I did not know it was out. Okay, it's I, either I, it's either just come out or it's really just about to drop because it's all the ads I'm seeing on HBO. I think it is out there at this point. Oh my god! Okay, must watch. Hey, yes. homework assignment for the lateral heads out there. Hey, listen to that shit. Maybe we'll break down the. Well, maybe we'll. <laughs> we'll George have a Carlin pod yeah. after yeah. the tightest events. Why not? I don't. We've done dumber shit. Uh, NFC Probably. data. We have that in front of us. Well, I have that in front of me. I am going to read off the top five. We're going to go through way more than just the top five in this episode, but I think the top five being drafted is the top five now whether or not you have it in this order is you know up to you as you know anybody who does their own rankings but cooper cup justin jefferson jamar chase Devonte adams stefan diggs those, those are the are, top five receivers off the board and i think all of my top five but not in that order yeah i mean i think 
So at least speaking for myself, I have it as Cup, Jefferson, Diggs, Adams, and Chase. And I will say with the major caveat, I am getting closer and closer and closer to moving Cup down to three and then having Jefferson and Diggs as one and two. But that's coming around. I like it. it. I like it. It it makes too much sense. I mean, it. But either way, like you said, I mean, that's the top five. What order do you have those players in? I have it as Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, and Jamar Chase. And I would also say that at number six, I have Deontay Johnson and seven CD Lamb. And the reason I wanted to say that is to me, that is my tier one. These are all guys that I think have some shot as finishing as the wide receiver one. Anyone below that mark, I personally do not think which doesn't mean it's impossible, but I personally do not see a pathway for them to finish as the overall wide receiver one. I tend to agree with that. And we will actually have CD Lamb's name pop up very soon on this list, but unfortunately not Deontay Johnson's. And we will talk about that, obviously, just because I mean, the lateral is, you know, we we have our our players that we both share a mutual love. of. I was you know, drafting like- Deontay Johnson before it was cool. I was drafting Deontay Johnson before I knew who Deontay Johnson was. I took him as a rookie not knowing who he was. Sometimes we stumble into happy accidents. I mean, hey, that's what my parents tell me all the time. So after the top five, because I mean, frankly, I really don't think we need to talk about those five receivers because they're all good. They're all good. There's nothing that we could possibly say that listeners don't already know. Yeah, I would say the maybe one that merits some touching on, the one that I think is the most likely to fall out of that top five, even though he has wide receiver one overall potential, is Jamar Chase. Same. Just because of how he profiles. He is Joe Burrow's favorite target, in my opinion. But the issue is he might not necessarily be the one the most targeted by Joe Burrow. Like, he knows he can hit him for that deep ball. He knows he can rely on that guy. But T. Higgins is still a factor, and he's a factor that, frankly, none of these other people have to deal with. That is true. And also, I don't have it in front of me because I am just really bad with preparedness. But I do remember in doing my research with uh, our buddy Pat Fitzmorris had me on his podcast like months and months ago. And one of the points that I highlighted about even just choosing between Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, which, you know, again, probably something we're going to talk about. The stretch last year where Jamar Chase really struggled he was averaging 9.9 points per game during that stretch, which is like not bad. You can still throw that in your lineup, but like you said, like the fact that there is that other guy in the offense and also just like the nature, at least early on in his career, I anticipate maybe year three is when he'll be able to fully like I, the point that I'm getting at is that I kind of see him following the Devonte Adams path of development and that like the big play stuff, like, in terms of just relying on the big play stuff will start to fade and he'll become a more complete receiver as time goes along. Cause right now, I mean, that is what Jamar chase. Does. Oh, I'll go and a he's step. really good at it. If but, I'll go like, a step further, if T Higgins wasn't there, Jamar chase would be Devonte Adams like this year. Like quite possibly, he, yeah. he, he profiles a lot like Adams in just the athleticism, the way he can like, you know, be that go-to guy, that favorite target. And if you took away T Higgins, then you would just also have to give him that default volume that Adams enjoyed while Green Bay searched in vain for its wide receiver too. you know? Oh yeah. 
But I'm just thinking even just from an X's and O's standpoint, like he has the downfield shit. Oh, yeah, down. absolutely. It's, it's the it's the closer to the line of scrimmage stuff and being able to shake and wiggle his way open that he doesn't quite have yet, which is fine because not a lot of receivers come into the league like that. So obviously, like anybody listening to this, be like, oh, fuck, Herms really hates Jamar Chase. It's like, no, that's not the point, <laughs> you know, but either way, very, it, it, it's very important to point out. And there's a reason why T Higgins is coming up on this list very, very shortly, but for the rest of the top 10, I'm just going to go six through 10 on this one. And then we'll kind of regroup. Uh, actually I'll go to number 11, just because we were literally just talking about him. Uh, <laughs> starting at number six, we have Debo Samuel. Then we have CD lamb. Tyreek Hill at eight. I'm going to bookmark that. We'll come back. Yeah, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Mike Evans, number nine. AJ Brown at number 10. And then, hey, T. Higgins. We were literally just talking about him at number 11. I threw him in there because it was topical, and why not? Ah, I'll, I'll let you start. So, T. Higgins a little high for me there. I have a wide receiver 13. Um, yeah, well, I got him. Debo a little yeah. high. I have him as wide receiver eight. Uh, as I said, when we talked about our top 12 guys, uh, when we were like analyzing what like a top 12 wide receiver looks like, Debo still would have been a wide receiver 14 last year with no rushing at all, just period the end. Yeah. And so like, I think he'll get some rushing. I think some of his rushing volume will turn into receiving volume. So even if overall he loses a little bit of volume, I think wide receiver eight is like, about the sweet spot he's definitely got like you know top 12 upside for sure he showed last year that he can be like truly elite um i think six is just a little too high i there's just no way i can put him ahead of Dante johnson or cd lamb it doesn't feel um, good <laughs> and then the one name that did not come up that is in my top 11 is Michael Pittman Jr., who was my wide receiver 10. I got him at 12, and it is kind of offensive that he is not, at least at least to the two of us, that he is not within that group, because I really don't see... Well, fuck, we can expand on that now. I really don't see what is preventing Michael Pittman from being able to take that step into being a wide receiver one for fantasy. We were like, oh, well, Matt Ryan. It's like, okay, first of all... <laughs> Look at what this man was dealing with, not just last year, but these last few years in Atlanta. I mean, like, he's, like, he's had the benefit of, like, one super good player to throw to, but the surrounding cast have always been kind of messy and blah, 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 blah. But, hey, look, we've seen Matt Ryan time and time again support a bona fide wide receiver one. And last year, toward, like, the meat of the season, when Carson Wentz really started to figure it out, really started to figure it out, Michael Pittman was being a wide receiver one. And that was with Carson Wentz. And it's just like the, the level of competition around him is not something that, you know, frightens me because like, there are some people where it's like, Oh, well, because everybody else on the team is bad. Like, you know, like, yeah, he's going to draw the strongest coverage and all that. Like maybe that could take stuff away, but like, that's not something I really worry about because even with that being true, like if that one player who is by far and away, the most talented receiver in the room, by some significant margin, they can probably handle <laughs> that coverage. We saw Michael Pittman take on very, very complicated assignments and thrive. Like the upgraded quarterback, like especially being a guy who has done that for players like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley in the past. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. And the type of routes that Michael Pittman's going to run, like I could see 
I mean, I I don't I don't know what's stopping him from just sitting on 15 points a game easy. It, yeah. I, you know? And for me, the addition of Alec Pierce, like, you know, I think this team did get a little better at wide receiver. So it'll force teams not to be able to cheat quite as much on Pittman. And so I think we'll see more of a sustained period of that wide receiver one production. You know, ultimately teams kind of figured out that they could just hang out around him. Uh, and I think that's what kind of hurt his upside as we went through the season last year. I just, you know, yeah, Matt Ryan's the best quarterback he's ever going to have played with. And I think it's pretty easy to say that. And um, no, no offense to old man Philip Rivers, but yeah. old man Philip yeah. Rivers was not not you know, Philip Rivers yes. of old. He was yes. just old. Um, and I have AJ Brown as my wide receiver 12, just because I think the nature of that team, they don't quite go as pass heavy to their wide receiver group. And so, you know, I still think he's a top 12 guy. I think he's got upside even beyond that, but I'm not trying to draft him at his ceiling with Jalen Hurts at the quarterback who we feel good about, but still have some question marks with. It's not like they haven't invested in Devonta Smith. Like there's another really good wide receiver on that team. And it's not a team that throws to the wide receiver a ton again. I still feel confident him enough. He's still a top 12 wide receiver for me. Um, but I'm probably just a little lower than consensus on AJ Brown. Just looking at fantasy pros ECR, I am dead nuts on with where he is and honestly where he is in the NFFC data at number 10. But I will say to your points, even though I'm in lockstep with ECR and the ADP right now, Something about that cost is probably going to make it so that he's not going to be on a lot of my teams anyway. Like there's just, and it, it, there's a world in which he falls a little bit further down my rankings because there are guys we're going to get into that. I mean, I've briefly mentioned on a couple of other episodes recently that I'm just like, I could see them rising above and it turning into one of those situations where it's like, it's not that I hate this player. It's just that I really, really, really like that player. And AJ Brown's just one of those guys for me, like given everything that you said, will just fall by virtue of that. And we talked about it with our buddy Sam Wagman, who was on a couple episodes ago, big Eagles fan. He talked a lot about it too. I mean, like, yes, the offense will be really good, but like, is anything going to fundamentally change now that they just have like two super good, like they added another really good receiver on top of Demonte Smith, like you said, but like that doesn't fix the lack of depth in the entire room. Even before we started recording, we were talking about, Quez Watkins being the wide receiver three and like I think Quez Watkins is a fine dynasty bench piece to maybe see what happens but there's worse people of, to have as your wide receiver yeah. three on a team yeah like in terms of anything that could be relevant like they're 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 kind of in the same situation that my Pittsburgh Steelers were in coming into the draft in that yes there are some players that you feel good about at the top of the receiver core but like the depth of it is just not there <laughs> you know so maybe next no. year they kind of do the same thing like my Steelers did by bringing in a guy like a Calvin Austin and a George Pickens to round out the room but as far sure. as like, it's not much of a room to speak of right and now. I think if they get more confident in Jalen Hurts's ability to throw the ball they might lean on him a little more they might lean on their wide yeah. receivers a little more you know, so I could see that as well. To me, they're like kind of the anti-Chiefs, and we'll get more into the Chiefs at some point in this episode. But like the Chiefs, like it's kind of plateauy. 
Like there's a bunch of guys who could potentially be the, there's five guys who have at least some path to being the top wide receiver on that team. Now, for some of them, it's way more realistic than others. Don't get me wrong, but there's five guys who could do it. There is a path. Whereas like for the Eagles, we know that AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, they're going to get fed. Yep. Those, those are the three relevant pass catchers in the offense. Whoever ends up doing some work out of the backfield. Sure. Situationally, but like, yeah, it's, it's really that big three there and that's it. Yeah, you might be able to flex Kenny Gainwell like you did last year, you know, or if Miles Sanders sees some of that receiving work, not that he's done much to earn it of late. Uh, but if he did, you know, that would increase his stock a little. But we're not expecting like, you know, the pool to get that much deeper. Yeah, and even just just looking at this, I, I've noticed there's a group of four receivers that are right here in the NFFC ADP that I'm just like, it feels disrespectful. <laughs> like some of these players are where they are, but you know, even cross-referencing it against my rankings, I'm like a couple of these guys. Okay. I get why they're down here. And then a couple of these guys, I'm just like, this is fucked up and offensive. So just diving headfirst right into that, because it will kind of tie into the Tyree kill at eight thing that we, I, I bookmarked it, you know, it didn't address yeah, it too much, yeah. but it ties into what's going to happen here. So 12 through 15, um, Keenan Allen, Jalen okay. Waddle at 13. So that's okay. kind of why that's where that starts to come in. Deontay Johnson at 14. Fuck you, NFFC drafters. Unfair. And then Michael Pittman, who we talked about a shit ton at 15. So you, you want to know what's really interesting for all the conversation about how we're like going like, oh man, I really don't think this guy can be like, you know, the wide receiver one overall, or like, you know, this guy can hurt that guy. We've mentioned 15 wide receivers. There's not a single one of those wide receivers that isn't in my top 15. The order's just different. I think that's pretty telling. The Yeah, I think the only player we've mentioned so far that is outside of my top 15 is Jalen Waddle, And even then, he's at like 17 and I've got him at 14. He he'll probably rise back up again once we get some more clarity on certain things. But like, yeah, like that's kind of it's th these are the guys. And honestly, I really feel that this is the group of 15 where you're looking at drafts and, you know, putting your team together. You really want to have at least one of these receivers on your fantasy team next year. Unless you're going to go with some like big, robust RB strategy and do the whole thing and fade the position as a whole. like And, and there's merits to that. Whatever. Do your own thing. We're not going to tell you how to build your team necessarily. We can offer suggestion. But if you're really dead set on doing it your way, you know, fuck it. I don't know. I can't I can't help you at that point. Well, actually, I can't. But you know what I mean? Either way, like these are like the 15 players where like I feel supremely good about them. Just yeah. absolutely supremely good about them. I want at least one of these guys on all of my teams. Yeah, so I'd say there's 13 running backs and 15 wide receivers. And like my hope is that I'm making it out with at least two of those guys, ideally three. Because to me, those are the guys that it's like, I feel really good about these guys. And depending on where you draft... 
in your redraft league and we sprinkle in some of the tight ends because tight ends are going to go or like the top tier guys like like a kelsey yeah, you'll have Andrews at least Kyle a couple Pitt. tight ends and maybe a josh allen go yeah so like there is a world in which these players that we're talking about in you know late may early june by the time we you know have our next episode or whatever like these are the guys that we're targeting when you start your team your first three picks should be in this conglomerate of like this is who we feel good about there's 28 guys here there's three tight ends that i think we'd personally say are also okay to be in that first three round group Um, yeah i would say so we'll get to them more depth when we get to a tight end episode but it's in no particular order, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and Kyle Pitts. Yeah. If you can get one of those three guys in the first three rounds, like, you know, just think carefully about your roster construction, but we both think that's fine. And then I think we both get why Josh Allen is a top three round guy, but neither one of us would probably do it in one QB. Unless the scoring format really dictated it. Yeah. yeah. Like it would have to be that or, and then obviously super flex is a whole different thing, but it's just how we go about things. We think that as far as positional value goes, there's just so many guys you can get in quarterback that get you close enough that it's just different from the other three positions on that front. Yeah, I mean, like this year, I mean, we're, we you can get deep into the double digit rounds and still end up with Derek Carr. I don't, you know, yeah, like I, yeah. I'm no, I'm never going Derek to Derek Carr, the who's that, like already a fringe QB one, and now gets Devontae Adams. You know, like yeah, you could do a lot worse. Like, do we expect Derek Carr to be Josh Allen? No, but you know, like if you take Josh Allen, you're sacrificing potentially one of these 28 guys plus the three tight ends, that's 31. So you're in a 12-team league. You got 36 picks in those first three rounds. So like, you're basically hoping that there's just five guys that people reach for. It's Pretty not impossible. Time. Yeah, so just, I'm glad we kind of hammered home that point because yeah. like, this is I think kind it's of- important. Yeah, especially because like, as we get into June, July, and definitely into August, like these are like, when we really get into redraft mode, like, and we start talking about, you know, really doing mock drafts and doing all this. Like, these are the names that you're, we're just going to talk a fuck ton about. I will say, though, I will say, to round out the top 20 with 16 through 20. Let's do it. There is one name in here that is just inching further and further up that may <laughs> end up in that group that I'm talking about, where I'm just like, you have to have this guy um and if this is someone we perhaps have more data about mayhaps well we have more data about all these guys than we did about yeah. you know more stuff we were talking about. data oh no uh, i know what you're getting at okay, i actually no? i do have him within my top 15 that was actually kind of the despair like that was the okay. thing that i was alluding okay. to uh but he's firmly at 15 and very like he's clinging on for dear life he will probably fall he's, um, he's my 17 we'll get to that yes we will get to that very shortly because at 16, Terry McLaurin, at 17, Ooh, DK Metcalf, and 18, cats out of the bag, uh, DJ Moore. Yes, that's who we've been alluding to. Wide receiver 19, Chris Godwin. The, I, we've talked about this ad nauseum. And on the- I, I have finally come around on it. I am a big Chris Godwin stand. If he comes back healthy, he absolutely has top 12 upside for the games that he plays, but there's a chance he's not going to come back 100% healthy. I have moved him down to my wide receiver 41. I just exactly. want to get that right out of the way here since it came up. Very good. 
I'm I'm assuming the NFFC like the high well, the high stakes yeah. drafters will come around to this information hopefully unless they and, have some. And you shit sort we don't know of about. get potentially why they go for it, given that like again, if he does come back and comes back completely healthy, Tom Brady's clicking still. That offense is clicking all cylinders. Like he does give you a huge advantage potentially. Sure. It's just it, a very risky yeah. play. It's just like you know, in certain years where there are obviously uh, coming off of a, you know, tearing a ligament in your knee is way different than what I'm about to say, but like a player that, you know, like, okay, they're suspended for four to six games, but we know that when they come back, if they're all good and ready to go, then holy shit, I just immediately stumbled into this incredibly valuable thing. The point being, if you can sit on something that will pay off later and find a way to coast yourself through that part of the year where you don't have them, then you're cooking with gas and that's a good thing to do. But again, we're still going to have to hear. There's so much we have to know about yep. Chris Godwin before I feel good about him anywhere near the 19, but wide receiver 20 <laughs> in the, in the uh, ADP. He's my wide receiver 16 and climbing in my rankings. And I've talked about it a lot and I'm not slowing this train down. Marquise Hollywood Brown. God hey. damn it. I am telling also you also my it. wide receiver 16. There Let's is go. A, there is a decent chance that he will buy the end of this process, he will be knocking on the door of the top 12 for me. Like I, I am just, I'm falling in love with this shit. <laughs> just am. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that I'll ever get there. And it's because of talent. I just don't know that he has top 12 talent. I look at the guys that are ahead of him. And I feel that every single one of those guys is a more talented wide receiver than him, but his situation's great. And it's not like he's trash. He's very like, good. The thing that makes me feel so good about it is that him being in Baltimore in the first place was such a mismatch yeah, for his skill set and everything he displayed in college. But a it's honestly why I was looking year, forward to Rashad yeah. Bateman coming into that offense because I thought, oh, now they can finally use Marquise Brown the way he should be. Yeah. And I, and to some degree, we did get to see a little bit of that last year, but like what makes me feel good about it is that he will be unleashed. And I I know I've talked about this on the show before, but I'm going to do it again. Damn it. He will be unleashed in a system that he thrived in, in the past that made him (laughs) the first round pick that he was coming into the league playing with his college quarterback. And like, I know that he doesn't win the same way that a Deandre Hopkins wins because he's not going to go up there and turn 50, 50 balls into 70, 30 balls. But that speed and separation in an air raid offense, just, I'm like, I, Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) That's the thing. That's kind of the one thing for me, like because his talent is a little limited in certain factors. I almost wish Deandre Hopkins was going to be there the whole time. Cause then I think I'd have them both higher. Like I think Deandre Hopkins is on the way out. I think he is. And so like you could put Marquise Brown, I think as high as wide receiver 14 for me, potentially if he's not getting necessarily quite the same attention than I think he's going to get from defenses. I, 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 I'm really, I'm really not, I'm worried about that at the beginning of the year to some degree, but if we are to assume that, and honestly, maybe the six game suspension for Deandre Hopkins is a blessing in disguise because it just gives him more time to become more and more healthy as time goes along. I'm really banking on 
Marquise Brown finding his footing early enough in the season, still producing at a high enough level early in the season, and then Hopkins coming back and just this whole thing exploding. And also the interesting thing about it is that we've seen year over year now under Cliff Kingsbury's tutelage, this offense just not even just the offense. I mean, the team as a whole, frankly, the wheels just fall off toward the end of the year. It is what it is. It ends up being really frustrating, but just like the, the gem of like, all right, congrats, boys. We made it to week seven. We get this guy back. That's adding firepower back it's into the true. offense. It's such a key time of the year that like, and it will be, it will be toward like the middle part of the season where defenses are going to be looking at it literally for the first time. Like, Oh fuck. We have to deal with both of these guys now. Like you're not going to have those looks of what that team looks like for six games. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm banking on a lot of ifs. Don't get me wrong. I fully acknowledge that, but I'm still believing in the world of possibilities that it's likely enough that even a diminished aging DeAndre Hopkins, just having that time off and just coming in and immediately busting the offense open is good for everyone in Arizona. I'm trying to have Marquise Brown on as many teams as I possibly can. Understandable. Uh, I did have three guys in my top 20 that have not been mentioned yet. Um, where are you at? Because I do not have Terry McLaurin in my top 20. Neither I do I. I not have DK Metcalf in my top 20. He's clinging on for dear life and damn near in danger of falling out. But yeah, maybe don't feel But great. I do, as we mentioned, have Marquise Brown as my wide receiver 16. I do have DJ Moore as my wide receiver 17. The talent is good. The age, excellent. The quarterback play is absolute garbage, and I'm not sure their coach is any good. And so I just can't do it. It's not great. It's yeah. not great. Put yeah. it this way. This is almost floor for more, my ranking of him. This guy absolutely has top 12 upside. But I don't know that their quarterback situation is going to change noticeably this year. I really don't. Um, and then I have three guys that haven't been mentioned yet. Lay it on me. Wide receiver 18, the walking thousand yard man, Brandon Cooks. Yes. Come on. Yes. Are we really going to keep doing this, people? Are we really going to sleep on Brandon Cooks year over year? For some reason. I'm done. I'm done doing it. He's in my top 20 this year. Let's go. I swear to God. And, and I will say part of this just does have to do with the fact that I am – bullish on davis mills i have said time and time again on this program i am on the hype train even if that weren't true we yeah. talk about it so often brandon As cooks i've is, said time and time again it doesn't matter who yeah. his qb is it he doesn't he is immune to all the factors of everything that could possibly bring him down i don't know whatever deal he made with some weird cosmic power that like i don't know what yeah he i think the I, deal was he doesn't get to be on a team longer than like two years I, yeah yeah for, for sure i mean i whatever part of his soul he had to sell to to get this immunity is incredible and i'm not questioning it i've already i've already seen the beginning of the process on the twitter timeline of people being like oh i don't know look at the offense i don't fucking care he's like he's he's, <laughs> like, he's now at prime age too like exactly. everything is set up for him. He came into the league so young. Yeah. Like he feels like he's been around forever, partially because like in a way, quote unquote, kind of has in terms of football years. Sure. But he's, he was so young so early that like you just said, like he's now just entering that shit yeah. with the resume of Jared Goff. 
you know, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor, Taylor, you know, doing yeah. it like he's so good. What guy? Oh, like seriously, this guy, 2015, 16 games, 1138 yards, 2016, 16 games, 1173 yards, 2017, 16 games, 1,082 yards, 2018, 16 games. Like, stop me if you've heard this before. 1,204 yards, a little bit of a dip, some injury issues in 2019, only 583 yards that time. Oh, but look, the next year, 15 games, 1,150 yards, and 2021, 16 games, 1,037 yards. I mean, again, literally a walking 1,000-yard season. He's gone from playing with future Hall of Famers to absolute scrubs at quarterback. He's gone from being by far and away the number one guy to being an insanely crowded wide receiver rooms. He's really he seen a matter. lot of shit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just like, oh, God, oh, people. And you know what? Honestly, I, I will let those people make that mistake. Sure. Yep. Fade Brandon Cooks at your own, you know, whatever. I, it, it's fine. It's fine. We're right. <laughs> you know who else people should fade at their own whatever is my wide receiver 19, Rashad Bateman. There it is Rashad go. Bateman season. He is the clear option at wide receiver for this team. There is nobody even close in terms of talent, in terms of ceiling, in terms of capital invested. Like this is their top wide receiver. This is it. And yeah, we've seen the top wide receiver in Balmer be good. You know, Marquise Brown, pretty good last year. And Rashad Bateman profiles potentially a bit more as a typical wide receiver one than Marquise Brown did. So, you know, I think it's going to be him. I think it's going to be Mark Andrews, you know, and I think uh, I think Devin Duvernay, while I don't have him necessarily ranked the highest, you know, we might get a sprinkling of him. But they're going to lean heavy on Bateman. I think he's got the talent to succeed with it. So that's why he's there at number 19, just ahead of my wide receiver 20, Amari Cooper. Um, with Deshaun Watson now likely to get some sort of suspension, that seems to be the way the wind is blowing. I had Cooper as high as wide receiver 13 at one point. I just, the way that offensive scheme works, the fact that he might not have his QB for the first four, well, three to six weeks, let's say. I just, I got to move him down a little, even though he's performed well in the past and he's in, he's in that prime age, you know, this is like, honestly, like kind of lower end ranking for me on him. Yeah, and I do have a point about Bateman, but to pick up the baton with you on Cooper, he is somebody that, I just, I have no interest in only because like, yes, he's talented, but it is one of those things where throughout the course of his career, like two thirds of the time, he just does not really live up to putting up a lot of production. And we're kind of just flying by the seat of hoping that like that one third chance he booms because when he booms, he is amazing. Like, he's just the type of receiver I can't really do it with anymore. 
and that not to take anything away from people who do want to draft Amari Cooper, because if you if you build a roster properly and insulate yourself from those times where Cooper just falls off the face of the earth for your fantasy team, you can overcome that and he can be a valuable piece of your roster. The way I build my rosters, he is not the type of player that I would like to have. But that being said, all things being equal, there are ways that you can have him and have him be relevant. So to that end, I have him at 26, but like that's purely just based off of everything I said about how I like to build stuff, how I like to look at receiver, not an indictment on anybody who prefers to go about this differently because people talk about all the time, what really is the value of quote unquote consistency in fantasy football anyway? I've, I've seen a lot of interesting arguments one way or the other, like is the guy that gets you only 10 points a week really more valuable than the guy that can give you four or 24, you know, like I get that. I completely get that. It's all a philosophical thing. That's kind of my thing on Amari Cooper, but you know. Yeah. So I think my thing is like, how many guys do you get age 27 to 28 who have already been a top 10 fantasy wide receiver? The guy is borderline a thousand yard walking as well. Yeah. I mean, he's got two seasons where he didn't do it. He also is like, a distinct touchdown threat like we advocate that touchdowns are not sticky but some guys are just more naturally inclined to end up scoring them than others amari cooper is kind of one of those guys you know he's like he's not gonna be like jamar chase you know 13 touchdown 12 touchdown whatever it was last year but you know five to eight touchdowns every single year of his career and he's been on some lesser offenses at times um and on top of that, he's probably going to play with the best quarterback of his entire career at some point this season. And so to me, he's got real league winner potential. Like this is a guy who come your playoff stretch could be a wide receiver one weekend and week out. And I think getting him at wide receiver 20 is actually going to be doable. I really do. So <laughs> I get the question marks on him. That's why he's not you know, a top 12 guy for me, even though ticking a lot of the top 12 boxes you want to see. Um, but he's someone I wouldn't completely sleep on. And like all things being equal and like blending our, you know, perspectives on him together kind of brings to the ultimate, uh, ultimate point about Amari Cooper in that this is the best he's ever been priced in his entire career. And if you that have been hesitant true. like me in the past, this is probably the year where you're going to feel best about taking the chance because, you know, the last year, the year before, the year before, like we've walked into draft season every single year where Amari Cooper is priced at his ceiling. This is really the first time where there's enough, you know, headroom to be like, okay, this is an interesting value. So even if, you know, whether you're on my end of the spectrum, your end of the spectrum or somewhere in between listener, like, the fact of the matter is this is the best price he's probably ever going to have. And that alone is value. That alone is value. And there is something very good to that. And then just very quickly, I do want to throw out there about Rashad Bateman specifically before we get into, Oh, oh this is a weird group of receivers. Okay. I'm going to ignore yes, that. I'm having it. Oh, okay. Uh, the interesting thing that I see about people pointing at all the reasons why Rashad Bateman can't thrive is that it's like, well, I mean, you know, with Lamar at quarterback, the Ravens have never supported a wide receiver that can do X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. And it, it it's something that I've really wanted to talk about on the show for a while. And it is 
the issue of selection bias. Now, selection bias is when you are like, like only looking at one form, you know, like purely analytics people. And I'm talking people that only base all of their decisions purely 100% on analytics. They're like, and it, most people don't only do that. But if you only base your opinion 100% on the past, it does not leave any room to account for the change that can be the catalyst to make it different in the future. If we just assume the Ravens offense will only continue to be this one thing and only do it this one way, then yes, Rashad Bateman will not succeed. But we have to take into account a couple things. One, Rashad Bateman is a more talented all-around receiver with his skill set than Marquise Brown is. Two, he is more equipped to fill in for what they asked Marquise Brown to do last year. And Marquise Brown was very successful, probably the most successful he's been in his entire career, doing what he did last year. So... And also to the point of like, oh, well, they just run too much for it to ever be a thing where a wide receiver can be good. Well, is that necessarily true? Because we talked about this a lot last season and it ended up turning out to be true. So, hey, hey, this podcast, yeah, the two of us, we give you some good information. Look at what the team tells you. They go out and they sign some receivers. They draft a bunch of these guys. They load up in the wide receiver core. The front office is telling you, hey, we really, really want to do some of this shit. Take the hints as they're given to you, folks. Like, I saw like one take on the timeline today from somebody that, like, and you know, like I'm not gonna name names or call anybody, but like, especially because it's a person I respect. I'm not roasting them. I'm really just roasting the point that they made. Like relying solely on the past is something we just can't do we just can't do it like it's a great launching point but it just it bothers me to no end <laughs> like leaving just like the window cracked to be able to account for just like the sea of change possibly permeating throughout the room i i don't know it really wanted to get into that because it's just ugh, it's important to be you have to blend looking back and looking forward and have your face, you know, in your body somewhere in the middle to be able to look in all directions. That didn't make any sense. We're moving on. I don't know. Unless you have anything to say about that. Like, No, I think you said what needed to be said and we should move on to numbers 21 through 30. Cause I think after wide receiver 30, at least personally for me, we do get another tear break. That we do. And just a fun fact, the name Rashad Bateman does not even appear in the list of players we're about to talk about. And it's criminal. Yes. So it's that's, criminal. that's an important thing, at least at the moment, <laughs> if you are drafting, we are advocating Rashad Bateman as a near top 20 guy. You do not need to pay that price for him. You can probably wait around. It's beautiful. Yeah. Maybe even two. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Like so, the amount of mocks I'm doing where I can get both Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman. Uh, let's just say they're not zero. Oh, I've, I've done that a few times and it feels it's so great. good. It feels awesome. so good. Oh man. At 21, we have Amari Cooper, a player that we talked about. Uh, Mike Williams at 22. That feels appropriate, but also like, I don't know. Eh, we'll, I'm going to be lower than consensus on Mike Williams. So. We'll talk about that because uh, there are definitely thoughts to be had there. Uh, 23, Jerry Judy. Denver as a whole is kind of weird. He has a teammate that's going to come up on this list before I'm done talking. Uh, 24, I'm on Rise St. Brown. I'm also going to bookmark oh, that. High. Yeah, we're, we're bookmarking <laughs> bookmark that. Uh, 25, Allen Robinson. 26, Jerry Judy's teammate, Cortland Sutton. You know, it, it's pretty clear early on people are having a hard time picking which Denver 
Broncos receiver they really prefer. And I think it's fair to view that situation as opaque at this point. 27, Brandon Cooks, you're all fucking up. Then we get to rounding out 28 through 30 with Gabriel Davis, Michael Thomas, and Darnell to the Mooney. It's a fun group. It's a I've fun group. I've definitely got some names in there, and I've definitely not got some names in there. Um, out of your 21 through 30, who's the most interesting name we haven't mentioned yet? I think that's what I'm most curious about. Because I've got at least two guys that weren't mentioned, haven't been mentioned at all yet. I have Eliza Moore. That is absolutely me. correct. Yeah, like Thank it, you. it feels odd to just and then like look, I mean, like obviously the team investing in Garrett Wilson is not the greatest thing in the world, but it's also one of these things that like, and I hope that anybody who dramatically overcorrected last year learned their lesson with a duo we talked about at the beginning of the show in Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Now I'm not saying either of these players are Jamar Chase and T Higgins, but just the point of a second round receiver, we were really excited about, you know, the, the hype was starting to build in the off season, especially in the dynasty community. It's like, we're feeling better and better and better about Elijah Moore. And then the team drafts somebody high in the first round. And it's like, Oh, fuck abandoned ships. Oh no. What do we do? (laughs) And it's like, no, you can't react that way. Like, and the good news for Elijah Moore is, Garrett Wilson's not Jamar Chase. Like, he's just not. I don't think anyone really thinks that he is, and that's not an insult to Garrett Wilson. Yeah, you know, it's, it's I mean, shit. That, yeah, not a lot of players are that good. <laughs> just not yeah. a lot of them. So, like, and, like, that's the thing where I'm like, and, like, look, I am pretty vocal about the lack of belief I have in Zach Wilson as a quarterback long-term. Yeah. Preaching as a choir here. So, like, it, whatever. So I did, but, really quick on the subject, I saw a poll going around where it was like, who would you rather have, Zach Wilson or Desmond Ritter straight up? People, I don't think Zach Wilson's very good. But come on. Yeah, come on. Draft capital on that one. We're just going to have to go with Just, it. like, yeah. forget just, about everything else. Like, literally only one of those guys is guaranteed to start week one. Yep. First of all. <laughs> yep. That's oh, it's, it's, mm, the overthinking dynasty minds. You, you love to see it. Barring injury, uh, only one of those guys is guaranteed to start week 17. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I, mm, I hate Twitter sometimes. But yeah. So anyway, going back to it, like the offense is improving in all facets. Absolutely. Like there's they invested room, in it significantly. Yes. Across the board. It, like including the line. Like, yes. The line is better. Zach Wilson will have every weapon he could possibly want. Like Braxton Berrios is now the fourth best receiver on this offense instead of the best one. Fourth, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, something something like that. that. He's fighting between him and Corey Davis. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, why all of a sudden did Elijah Moore just die? Like, he didn't. So, like, I don't know. People. Where do you have him? I have him as wide receiver 24. I have him as 30. Okay. But but either way, I mean, like he's a guy that was wide receiver three, I think, at one point last year for like a couple weeks in a row. I'm not ignoring that upside. I'm just not the Mike White experience, folks. That was a fun time. And like and I will say just for the record, uh, my ranking of Elijah Moore is uh, just because it's convenient for me to mention this uh, two spots below uh, consensus on fantasy pros ECR. So the. Okay. Right in the he, middle of us to yeah. agree. He's yeah. ranked at 28, but in this squirrely, squirrely, 
uh, NFC data, he's going 33. So it's like, it's not like a huge difference by any means, but it's still like enough of a difference that I'm just like, come on, bro. Because I mean, like, even just to throw one name out there that is a name that I mentioned on this list that we're talking about. I'm on Ross St. Brown. <laughs> like I love, I love, I love I'm on Ross St. Brown. I mean, like I may have actually like, not that it took a lot of brain power, but like I might've been the first one out there literally calling him the sun God. Like yeah, low hanging fruit, but either way it's, it's, it's yeah, there. It, you know, it's like, like we're high. We're very high on Amon Ra. Yeah, the lateral is brought to you by uh, I'm on Russ St. Brown fandom. Our but like, and savior. One hondo. But even then, he's, he's my, I, I have him at 36. Like, Same, you know, literally like, at 36. Yeah, like, like that feels on. good. That feels good. We're just pretending like, they didn't Jesus. draft Jamison Williams and bring in DJ Chark and Jared Goff still is the quarterback and like, come on. Yeah, I mean, like, frankly, the golf thing's not the biggest part of that argument, by the way. It's definitely more like they drafted a top 12 guy at wide receiver. And, and the, the benefit of what Amon Ra has going for him in that regard is at least it's somebody who's recovering from an ACL tear. So it's like if he yeah. is able to produce, and I don't know, it's like finishing at 24 is within his range of outcomes it is but it's but like it's toward the ceiling exactly like yeah. being priced that close to the ceiling is frankly absurd for a show again really want to reiterate go back into the history of the, like scroll we're, back we're in the log pro. go back to last we're summer very pro huge fans this is too much <laughs> so like well i want to see if you think this is too much though because the name that i have in my top 30 that I haven't heard yet. My wide receiver 29, which is Traylon Burks. He is 37 in the NFFC data, just for the record. And okay. he is my 31. So like just, not too far. Just, just there. outside. Okay. Just outside. Okay. And I just to to throw it out there quickly, uh I don't know what his whole thing is right now but it's my understanding he does uh deal with asthma and where they're training might be very heavy with pollen for all i know like because i've seen a lot it's also, being made it's, it's out also of, like day one like you know if in two weeks he's still out of shape like get back to me like do we all remember jamar chase not being able to handle his balls Remember when Justin Jefferson was running behind Ola B.C. Johnson and we all freaked out? And oh, maybe my God. Made we all trade. did freak out. We yeah. all freaked out. Yeah. Like, so 100%. Like, you know, like, in, in your right. Like, it's not the best thing to see right no. now. No, it would <laughs> be great to see, not. like, Traylon Burks looking like what we had hoped A.J. Brown would be. Like, if that was the blurb coming out of camp, it'd be like, cool. Yeah, but it's like, you know, like, I know that this time of year, like, I mean, I don't have asthma or anything, but like, I do have bad enough allergies to the point where it's like, you know, like, you know, I'm not doing, I'm not doing too hot when I'm in the outdoors, you know, but I would imagine adding asthma on top of that, you know, it's just like, if if you're in an area of the country where there's a shit ton of pollen right now, then like, yeah, I mean, you know, so we'll see, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I just use this as, uh, you know, opportunity to complain about my allergy issues, but also like, it's 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 weird that we're freaking out about this so soon i and i i've i've been in some group chats where people are like oh my god i'm starting to get nervous man i'm like why stop like it's fine but yeah he he's he's an interesting name although i i do i do i do want to i want to throw something out real quick sure. because 
I am not, I'm literally one spot higher than the NFC ADP on this. And where I have this player ranked is not even remotely close to what I actually think of them. Which wide receiver am I talking about? Oh, so close. Ah, it's a cliffhanger, folks. That's the end of part one. You're going to have to tune in to part two of this episode, dropping in a couple days to figure out which wide receiver I am talking about. My name is Herms on Twitter at HermsNFL. The other voice you hear is McLateral on Twitter at McLateralFF. And this has been another episode of The Lateral Show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Lateral FF. And like I said at the beginning of the show, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It would really help. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time... Uh, Follow the lateral on Twitter at the lateral FF. Beep boop.